What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Disc Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all love and support, and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform, and make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Disc Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is Deep Dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Lamont Lester, how you doing? Welcome to the platform. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here, my brother. Pleasure. Now, it's, 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 I got to give a shout out to uh, Mr. Fred Bailey for connecting us. Yes. Um, yes. The great Fred the Bailey. Gr- the great Fred Bailey, yes, for sure. Yes, um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested again to your story, your work, mm-hmm. um, your process, your journey. And, uh, you know, I did my research on you, so I got a, I got a lot of questions okay. for you, um, for your work. Um, but just to start off, give a little people a little something about your background, where you're from. Okay. Um, just not the whole story, right. but just, you know, abbreviated version to That's get it started. Just give people, you know, preface people right into the work that you do. Wonderful. Uh, my name is Lamont Lester. Uh, I'm a Nashville native. Been here. I just turned, uh, I turned 52 in October. I'll be 53 this year. Uh, born and raised, uh, and actually uh, the work that I do, uh, we do quite a few things, but um, probably my heart and my passion is definitely towards uh, doing, working with men, young boys, uh, really helping people find their purpose is really uh, a lot of the work that we do through different methods. And then also from a racial reconciliation component, in 2003 we put together a clothing line called Kinfolk, uh, which really kind of talked about us being family, and it was actually designed to break down racial barriers, denominational barriers, and just these walls, and just kind of say, hey, um, it's a Christian line. Um, I'm a Christian uh, over the years, I've become a Christian, and uh, but with it, um, it was just kind of, there's a verse of scripture, Genesis 12, 2 and 3, that kind of God made a covenant with Abraham, and the bottom line is, kinfolk are persons that share common ancestry, family, relatives, or kin. So uh, if Abraham is your uncle and he's my uncle, uh, we're kinfolk, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was just really to kind of uh, do that, and that is really kind of where the work with racial reconciliation began, uh, just needing, uh, just being conscious of that, hey, we need everybody in, in the game, all kind of to be a part um, of this game called life. Everybody needs skin in the game and really just trying to see, hey, how can we bridge these barriers, bring unity and family. And um, But those are my passions, and uh things kind of branched out from there. And so um, what inspired you, right? What was that like kind of catalyst for you? Or did you know that this will be the work that you will always do as an adolescent? Right. Um, one of the things growing up, I think that uh, over the years, I kind of found out, Jerome, that um, you found out you got leadership ability. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, even in my high school years, you know, you can kind of you know, consider yourself being a Nashville native can be kind of consider yourself as popular, I guess, and right. able to really. Uh, we started through groups in in high school uh, and and through my adolescence. You know, uh, look, shout out to Sofa and my boys from uh, John Overton High School and uh, and Trump. We did a couple of things with that, but um, able to really get people together and buy in from young. You know, even then and. Then, and when I was maybe 25, probably 30 years ago, when I got myself together and started going to church, trying to, you know, when I saw that stuff wasn't working for me, I came into the church. And um, with it, um, as a matter of fact, it was Demetrius Alexander and C.C. Winans. They were mm-hmm. actually running a 
program called My Sister Keeper. My Sister's Keeper is still going and whatnot. And they were like, man, you're pretty good and like being around the guys. And they said, have you ever thought about doing anything with men? And I was just like, no, you know, not really, you know. But mm -hmm. they planted that seed. Um, and from there, we started my uh, program called My Brother's Keeper. And mm -hmm. we started a mentoring program when I was 26 years old out of Born Again Church. And okay. um, that's when that work began. And then just as far as the racial reconciliation piece, um, when I came into, uh, became a Christian and just realizing that, you know, um, you know, it was about unity and family and whatnot, mm -hmm. I wanted to start a clothing line. And I was like, this would be kind of cool for the boys in the hood to kind of wear a jersey. So the first four right. pieces we had was a jersey and it had kinfolk and it kind of talked about that. But I wanted, my whole tagline then was to allow young men to really represent Christ uh, while making a cutting edge fashion statement is what, right. you know, kinfolk. Uh, so those jerseys, with those jerseys, people kind of said, what is kinfolk? And oh man, we're trying to break, break down barriers. Right. And they were just like, so we were in the mall and I remember Rivergate Mall, uh, we had a store there and churches would come through and be like, man, this is a strong message. So um, it was really uh, a plan that I didn't really intentionally do, but these right. are things that along the course that I found myself doing and it just had no idea that it would end up to be the things that it is today. Oh, well, we got to break all this down. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Don't want to give no, you too much no, on the front end. No, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got to break all this down now. No, cause you get, you get, you gave us, you gave us, you gave us a lot, but you gave us enough for where I think where we can really pivot into, to the, to the conversation. Absolutely. Um, and I think I want to I, I want to dive into uh, I think this is the biggest one I want to dive into is that is that that Christianity that Christ piece with the racial piece and the racial piece. yeah and the racial piece yeah um, and how and how and how that works because um, from my experience um, in church. Um, Depending on what church you go to, right. depending right. on your religious lens, right? Yeah. Ra races some people don't want to get into. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, the church struggles. Yeah, the, yeah, the church struggles with race, and, and it's like, oh no, we all love Jesus right. and God, and all oh, we, you know. So, yeah. so what has been your experience with the two, you know, in the work that you've been able to do thus far, and what has been some of those challenges um, and successes? Okay. Um, well, what I would say is, as, as, and I agree totally, you know, they say that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week, mm -hmm. you know, and it is and has been. Um, but I come from a lens of what I found out uh, through my 52 years is that, you know, my philosophy is that there's going to be a percentage of bad in every mm -hmm. office or uh, demographic in the world, you know, so you got, you know, so there may be, you know, we talk about black people, you know, you're going to have, you got black, bad black people. You got bad white people. Right. You got bad pastors. You got bad fathers. You got bad police officers. Right. You know, so there's going to be a percentage in anything that you look at of things that actually aren't working perfectly or we could do better. Right. So I say that to say that even when I looked at um, the racial component, um, one of the things that I just had to be real with myself is I said a lot of times, you know, even growing up, a lot of times... Um, when you get into those things, and we kind of see some of the things that we're seeing in society now, if I'm really truthful with myself, a lot of the things that really could have probably hindered me and knocked me off my, my square even as a youth was, it wasn't a white man calling me a nigga. Right. You know, a lot of times it was the boys in the hood, the people in the hood tearing me down, you know, your hair or you, you, right. you, you know, man, you know, 
coming up a dog skin brother, you know right. what I'm saying? Those things, and you black, the black jokes, you know, right. all this stuff. And these were things that really, uh, it's different when other people outside your home mm -hmm. say something to you, but when somebody in your house wounds you, you know? So we right. deal with a lot of that when I work with my youth today in the African-American community, I kind of talk about our words and how we, mm -hmm. and not to even we can go on the crabs in the barrel, how we have really done some things to ourselves that right. the white man ain't got nothing to do with. Right. So consequently, um, with that, um, with the clothing, and on the other hand, like I said, there's a lot of things that we got to fix that white people got to take responsibility for. Right. So let me let me let okay, me put this ahead. out here. Okay. All right. Because there's gonna be people that say, well, yes, there's some things that we have to work internally with in our community. Absolutely. Right. However. <laughs> yes. yes. However. There is a however. The residual effects of 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 white supremacy absolutely is why right that trauma the oppression on that self-hate right that i think you're describing absolutely um is is the sole reason why that you know we have this crabs in the barrel mentality mm -hmm. while we knock each other down yes uh why it's easier for us to you know go against each other because like hey that's what we've been indoctrinated with right absolutely, absolutely. um and and so how do we how do we combat that um when when we're talking about these things um and so a lot of people it's easy to look inside like man we got to do better yeah. but like well the core is really like you know this this, this white supremacy over here is is indoctrinated us and and the white supremacy people it has white in there so it think it only applies to to white folks mm -hmm. like now black folks can have white supremacy mannerisms too because it's an indoctrination Absolutely. i can hate you you can hate me that's an indoctrination and a learned behavior through white supremacy, I Absolutely. would say. And so what would you say to what would you say to those folks um, that say, well, we need to we need to be combating that. And yeah, we gonna we might have our disagreements, but we not it's not it's, we we just the, the the product Absolutely. of that. I think that, uh, it's a two-pronged fight. You mm -hmm. know, I think that we do have to fight those. The white supremacy is real. The things that uh, have been done in history and continue, even not just history, but even today as we see systemic racism and how right. we're able to have to uh, do everything three, ten, a hundred times better just to even have a play in, uh, to be on even, there's not an even playing field. Yes, uh, you bring up valid points. Um, there is no way. Um, the truth of the matter is um, there have been some ugly, horrible things that have been done to our people that have um, completely uh, created mindsets for us that we have definitely have challenged to this day that we to get on the other side of. Um, and that's one of the things that really uh, the reality of the matter is, is that we have a thing in our Harmony Coalition. We have a, a, a nonprofit called Harmony Coalition to where we've actually partnered with some of our white brothers and sisters, uh, allies as they're called. And the reality of the matter is, uh, I share with them quite candidly that we are at a place in history where really some of the things that need to be said and need to be done, the truth of the matter is we can actually control what we can control on our end. You know, we got some stuff that we got to deal with in our communities. Right. But we deal with what we call uh, ugly truths. Mm. And the truth of the matter is we got some ugly truths, some stuff that we got to clean up. But the truth of the matter is you guys got some ugly truths on your side as well. You right. know, some of the horrific things that you have just done to people that are, right. to our people, right. that are in inhumane, you got to, you got to, you gotta take that. What, you know? what what are what are um, 
specifically what are like white folks responses to that in those sessions in those oh man it's tense you know it's it, uh, there have been tense like i said but we actually take it from an education perspective to where the people that have come on board with this movement, they uh, have chosen to educate themselves. Mm -hmm. They've chosen to put themselves on the line of fire. They've chosen to put themselves in uh, conversations that, you know, these hurtful truths, yeah, this is your people. Right. You did this and you're responsible for this. Now, right. we cannot go back and change history, but the reality of the matter is to where we are today, as I share with my group, I need you on the front lines. Right. Because if I go in and I go in and say, well, hey, you know, we need to do A, B, and C. I'm the angry black man. Right, exactly. You know, so the things that need to be said, this banner that needs to be carried, it needs to be carried by you speaking. You need to, so part of my job is Call to Call it back. out. Yeah, let me go back and educate my people on some of the things that we need to work on. Right. You know, hey, how can I help young men? How can we do some of the concerns that we have? Mm -hmm. But, you know, your responsibility is go back into this white community and say, hey, you know what? Man, there's a lot of stuff we didn't do right. There's some things we aren't doing now, and we got to do a whole lot better. Right. Because, and really and truthfully, in order to move the, the needle for a real movement, they got to stand up and beat on the front lines because we're never going to get a fair shake with this conversation right. as a black man. Right. No, know? right. No, I, I agree. And I think that's, um, that's real allyship. I think it's easy for me and you to call it out, right? Yeah. But it's different when our white allies or non-people of color allies call it out and say hey this is this is wrong like Absolutely. oh this is well you're, or you're discriminating or you being racist or you you practicing white supremacy against these folks that's a different type of you know um that's a different type of message different Absolutely. type of tone yeah. um and because it, the thing is jerome thing is they can't come in our communities and say well hey when you need to pull your hand you just need to pick yourself up by the bootstrap <laughs> you can't tell my black boys that not in front of me you know right. what i'm saying you can't tell my people so consequently I, as one who have, you know, been through some things, hey, hey bro, hey, man, I know you're a young man right. trying to find your way, but, you know, right. but if you're going to go in for an interview, you may want to do this. Right. That's not the conversation for you to have, right. you know, so by the same token, because it's not going to be received well, right. but by the same token, this conversation that you need to have, oh, you need to have it because if I go, it's not going to be received well. White people need to work on white people. Yes. That's, yes. That's, that's yeah. the best. I think that's where the best work is done for their community. But you know what? It's hard, and that's kind of the things is what we're looking for with uh, Harmony Coalition is what we call Harmony Seekers. Okay. You know, we're looking for white people that want to do the work mm. because the truth of the matter is you need some skin in the game because, you know, you got to be on the front lines. You know, just like, you know, I'm going to get slack for, hey, man, you know, let truth be told. Me, but man, why you ain't with white folks right now? You know what's going on? You know, right. you see what they doing? Right. You know, but by the same token, that's me. Hey, I got some skin in the game to say and say, hey, all white people ain't the same. Right. You know, just like all black people. By the same token, you need right. to be over there at that family dinner where you right. know your racist uncle over there been cracking jokes for the past <laughs> 10 years. Call about, him out. Call him out. You know what I'm saying? You need to say, hey, hold, 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 hold up. <laughs> you need to get insulted for, right. for a stance. You right. know? So, uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. we got to we gotta go back. So our tier with that is number one is dealing with our own core. Mm -hmm. uh, it's three tiers. You know, I got to deal with my own core, my own fears, my own securities. Let me work on me. Because first right. of all, if I don't get, if my heart is not right, I can't do none of this. Right. So secondly, from there, then I got to learn to work with others. Let me work with people that aren't like me, part mm -hmm. two, that are across the aisle, white folks, black folks, Indians, Asian, people that have different experiences and mm -hmm. backgrounds. Okay, now I got to learn to work with people that just ain't black folks. Right. We got to do that. Right. You know, and then the third tier is once we've worked, we've had these communications, we've educated ourselves, and we become better 
as an individual. Now I'm working in community. Now my job also goes back to let me go back and educate my community and strengthen them mm -hmm. so that they can really uh, have these conversations and grow in these areas that need to be grown in. And so I wanna, I'm gonna throw something at you. Go with it, let's roll. Because exposure is key. Yes. And once you get exposure to different communities, different experiences, your mindset should change. Should. Should change, right? And then you start thinking different. Absolutely. Um, right? Now, just based on what you said, I know you're thinking different. And based on my own experience, too, I know you're thinking different. Now, with that being said, what has been the challenges of being able to think different and have conversations with folks that people might not even want you to talk to? Might not even think, you know, Lester shouldn't be over here talking to these folks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because of maybe just purely on the color of your, your skin or their skin. Right. But you seeing things different. You understanding community different. You understand that, hey, we might not agree on everything, but we, we still in community together. We need to have a conversation because your exposure, uh, your intentionality behind understanding different communities has went to a different uh, maturity, mental maturity level. Right. What have those been experienced back? What has there been backlash? Has there been tension between your own community yes. because you're having these conversations? Yeah, it is backlash, man. You're gonna get backlash, you know. Um, so, but for me, um, going to my, I guess my Christian roots or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, and you may be able to relate this a little bit, but I really, I think that we all have to have a vision or a picture that's bigger than us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think consequently we have really. Uh, when I say the church perspective, I think it's along the lines of, you know, so I'm also dealing with church people, too. So you right. would think that church folk, this shouldn't be a problem. Right. You know, hey, we got to help our community, black, white, old, young. It, I mean, it shouldn't even be a conversation. What does right. the Bible say? Hey, go out to the earth and, you know, make disciples and, you know, to the highways and byways, you know, and kind of share this message, this gospel message. shouldn't be a problem. But what we have done, as opposed, uh, we have not really made ourselves available to what I would call community. Mm. You know, we have really, um, we have silos, we have, uh, you know, it's almost like a church mentality. When I say a church mentality, it's a different mentality from a church mentality versus a kingdom mentality. Right. So when you think about um, just a church, you think about just the individual, or not just a church, but let's right. just say, um, my, my skin color, my blackness, my right. whiteness, my church, my um, affiliation. Uh, we put our affiliation and the image of, of those affiliations and what we become a part of bigger than the bigger picture. Right. You know, so for me, I've actually kind of look along the lines of really, it's going to take all of us as a whole to really um, fight this, to really rebuild mm -hmm. what the enemy has taken. Uh, I'll give you another example. This is... Uh, kind of my thinking too, uh, as we see what's going on in Ukraine. Right. You know, Ukraine is a, a country that's been attacked, that's been surrounded and kind of some some threats, this and that, or what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden one day, the, you know, the, the enemy just said, you know what, I'm just going to decimate this thing. Right. But now we're looking at Ukraine and it's along the lines of now he's reaching out to NATO, he's reaching out to Europe, reaching out to all of them. Because the truth of the matter is, this is a, 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 a war, or the right. enemy has raised a, a war on us to where this is going to affect everybody if right. we don't come together. Right. It's no different between the natural and the spiritual. Same thing with people. The thing is, if we do not put barriers in place mm -hmm. to where we are 
looking out for this next generation. Right. If we are not discipling, raising them up, and, and right. getting people to to really take hold of our young black boys, right. our young black males, um, you know, the racial tension that's going on, if we don't get this thing together, that's why. So look at it. You look at how the enemy came in and just decimated Ukraine. Don't you see that as the same thing that's happened to us as a country, as a mm. nation? You know, think of the church. Right. You know, even now the church, when the enemy, we've been surrounded for a while. Right. You know, it's been kind of like, hey, you know, well, let's take prayer out of schools. Right. Let's take prayer out of this. Right. Well, you know, well, you know what? Now we, you know, every office that has had, we had faith in from the police officers mm -hmm. to the government to the politicians to the church, mm -hmm. everything, the enemy has really been chipping away at all this right. stuff to really put on a major attack. Right. So now the major attack happens, and now and even to the institution of the church, the truth of the matter is, what do everybody do? Just like Ukraine, shoot, everybody left. Right. It's no different than what we're doing now. So people are going, and now we're at a place even with the church where people are wondering, am I even going back? It's just like Ukraine. Am I right. going to go back? When we look at this mess, what society, what we have made because we did not have a plan, mm -hmm. that we were not prepared for the George Floyd. We weren't mm -hmm. prepared for the code. We weren't prepared for this great disperse right. there was nothing in place right now who's gonna come back and build this right you know who gonna come back and put Humpty back together again? right exactly. you know so when you think about uh, the natural war in the you know we're seeing it play out live mm -hmm. when you see man these are major offenses what white folks have done major offenses right. what George, you know the police the, you know some of the right. things that have gone on right but we didn't say nothing then you know right. so um i'm just a part of the building process to kind of say hey how can we put ukraine how can we put this community back together right. and i think it starts with um courageous leadership and somebody just saying hey you know what we're gonna rebuild regardless that's a lot of information though but now, uh, now, now that's good information though and again like you you give me some stuff to think about as we talking and the and the biggest thing is that is that is that church part for me, at uh, Christian part. I grew up Christian, I grew up Baptist, Temple Church, is my Absolutely. family church. Yeah. Um, but I do not identify as a Christian today. Okay. Um, I do not uh, identify more spiritual than religious. Absolutely. We get um, in the deep dish now. Yeah, you get in the deep dish now. Um, and 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 from it, this is from my own lived experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, believing in God. Um. um but and I think it might even just be a generational thing too. It is. That's uh, the key. Yeah, it might be a generation thing too. And so, uh, but I understand the purpose. Yes. Of of the Bible, the Quran, religion. I understand the purpose of all of it because I think it helps those who it helps. It helps. Who helps. It, it, it helps those who helps, and I believe it's purpose in all of those. But I think also on the flip side of that, um, and you do this work right, right. Um, between uh, denominations. I have seen, I feel like, when it comes to community power building or just addressing, you know, social justice issues, mm -hmm. religion get in the way sometimes. Absolutely. Um, because I'm Christian, or you may be Muslim, you know, uh, or because, you know, you may be Seventh-day Adventist and I'm, you know, um, Baptist or whatever. I've, I've seen this in this, in this lens you? that where, like, where where religion should connect folks or we find a way to, to separate Absolutely. and say, well, no, nah, we can't work together. We can't build together. Well, like, oh, first off, we, you know, we, we all black. They ain't, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't creating these disparities because of our denomination. Like right, we, right. we all being affected the same way, regardless. You would, think. Would, you would think, right? And so, um, 
you know, what what are your thoughts on, you know, maybe religion pacifying yeah. some social justice issues and saying, hey, those that are last, you'll be first. Right. You know, right. turn right. the other cheek. Right. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that and trying to combat uh, some of these social issues and social constructs that we face as human beings because we all face with it on different levels. Yes. But uh, I, I, I truly believe that we all affected by it, but even more specifically as black folks, what we know, you know, we're the most affected and right. the most harmed Absolutely. Um, in this system here in the United States. Yeah, we are, um, we're really at a place, a really pivotal point when we talk about the church and where we are now because mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is you bring up a lot of valid points. You know, the generations that, you know, I feel like I'm right in the middle of this uh, transition. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm from the old school when we were in church all day. You know, we would right. tear, we'd pray, we did, you know, uh, sleep-ins, all that stuff. And that generation, we stayed in church, drug the church. This guy got a drug problem. Yeah, mama drugged me to church and she kept me at church. <laughs> right. So we stayed at church. But this generation that we come up now, they weren't brought up like that. So they mm -hmm. don't understand those principles that this generation has right but consequently what we have done uh, this generation has done a bad part and i say now let me say this i do feel that the church is the answer okay you know, i feel that jesus you know okay. so i'm along the lines i hey i ain't pushing jesus on you but right uh, christianity on you but i'm right. telling you i know that it changed a joker like me right and, and you and that's miraculous within itself right but i say that to say that um we have really done a really good job of having church, especially the black church. We can have church, we have a good time, and we do all that and, we, and do all those things. But what we have not done a good job is really uh, discipling and really bringing this next generation in and actually making them feel like they are part of something. Mm. So now you have a young generation that because they saw some of the mistakes, they saw some of the things that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, we were very judgmental. You know, man, he got a tattoo. You know, she right. got her pants down. He smelled like we. We have all these things to where, you know what, you don't miss the mark. And consequently, we have turned a whole generation away to where they're like, you know what, I don't even fool with y'all no more. And I'm looking for other entities to be a part of to right. where I'm accepted. Right. So that actually falls on us. You know, um, even when I work with nonprofits, a lot of nonprofit work that I deal with, um, a lot of times it's the white, you know, it's been Belmont, you know, it's been Franktown, it's been um, YMCA or, or right. different ones. They are the white people that go into our communities and actually find ways to help our young black people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, even with Soldiers Fred and uh, Bailey and James Settles and some of the people, Lynn Stewart, uh, we actually went on tour and we actually were going to black churches right. trying to recruit men to come out to say, hey man, we got a serious problem with this right. next generation. How can we be a part? Mm -hmm. But they were having church and it, it was like pulling teeth. They're like, it's cool you can come in here and get us fired up, but they weren't coming outside the walls. Mm. So what happened is when everything shut down, you know, with COVID and everything now, you got a generation that do not trust right that entity so i say that to say the church being the answer but we're gonna have to really sit down and really figure out how do we reach the jerome Moors? how do we reach those that were brought right. up in church and has lost faith in us right you know uh we and part of it is like you know what i'm sorry right. you know we owe we owe some we owe our communities right. an apology for some of this stuff that mm -hmm. we as the men as the christians as the right. you know men of god we could have done a lot more, mm. you know. So now we got this grace dispersed, and people go to other entities. They go to Nation of Islam. They go to a hey, hundred black men. They look at right. the capitals, the Qs, the LGBT. You know, hey, where can I go to right. where 
I feel this, and that's an indictment on us because we didn't do our part. Okay. But as we move forward, that's why the work that I am involved in is realize that everybody has a place at the table. Right. You know, it ain't no big eyes, little you. So we, right. we talk people, we talk to these young boys, we take young right. people because they know how to preach. Right. You know, they can hold it up for an hour and, and, and woo people, and but we don't teach them how to build character. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't teach them how to, to keep their word. We don't right. keep them how to, to discipline and take time and, and spend time with a life, a right. young man, and help him go through his stuff. Right. You know, so we have to, as we say, we saw what it was prior to. So mm-hmm. just like Ukraine, you know, they're looking like, man, who's going to come build this up and what's it going to look like when it comes back? Right. I asked the church the same question. When we rebuild this thing and right. people start coming back to church, because a lot of people ain't coming back to right. that. Right. So consequently, how do we reach these people who have lost trust in us mm-hmm. with the, the, the word of God and Jesus Christ? How do we now adapt to this new type of warfare that we right. in and get young minds, bright minds like yourself and mm-hmm. these gifts. Because the right. truth of the matter is this generation is off the chain right. as far as their capabilities. Right. And this old model don't even know what to do with them. Right. So we have to figure out, man, how do we get these mm-hmm. conversations with Jerome Moore right. and these skill sets and these, you know, these social media, you know, mm-hmm. you, got, you saw stuff with people in high school right. uh, in New York. I remember doing the George Floyd thing. She, Girl, she ninth grade or whatever, you know, she messed around and got on that thing and she shut down all the schools and high schools in, in, in New York, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. for a protest. And it's like, right. how do these young people do that? Yeah, yeah. If we could get them on our side for the kingdom, right? Oh man, come on now. So we got some stuff. But anyway, yeah, no, and 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 I, and I and I say this because growing up and just history, right? Yeah, history, yeah. especially in movements, especially in the South. Right. You know, churches were, were always a pillar, a foundation for yes. social justice movements. Absolutely. And um I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the case now because there's a lot of folks that want to do work mm-hmm. in the community and may not want to may not want to, you know, dive into the the religious piece but want to build. Yeah. And if churches were say, "Hey, we're trying to build, we're trying to we we we, we might be doing it through the work of God, or the work of Jesus, but we're trying to build." Nevertheless, I think I think more people would be more receptive to that and say, "Okay, well, hey, we, I'm trying to build. You trying to build? You you we trying to go to the? You might be doing it through your purpose through God. I'm just doing it through my purpose because I feel like it's this what our community needs. Let's come together. And um, I would love to see that more. Well, I, I, I would love to see that more. And just say, hey, we we just trying to build, and we have a whole entity, and y'all are organization. Let's just come together and not worry about." How we align, kind of spirit, religiously. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. like we can, we we know, we, but this is this don't have nothing to do with trying to trying to, to to tell you what you need to do. Yeah, tell you what you need to do, but also, you know, it don't like what. How does that play into the bigger part? Like, hey, our community is hurting. How do we heal our community? But see, that goes to uh, the other piece that we're doing with the soldiers and mm-hmm. while we were going to church. So now. Um, when I say kingdom, let's just say kingdom change it to community. Right. You know, so what we put together with even maps, the books that we did, the curriculum is we do what we call now a, a maps community uh, leadership program. Okay. Because what that looks like is exactly what you're saying. Um, we have to come together to kind of say, hey, how do we fix what really is, what's really important? Mm-hmm. You know, so you can be, you, you know, the, the thing is, 
a lot of people aren't going back to church. So in order for us to actually effectively touch them, we got to get out of these walls and get into the communities. Right. So with our program, we focus on men, and that's what we've been doing with the maps. You know, we have what like now we're actually on our way to Louisville, mm-hmm. and right now we've got a community transformation team. Okay. Because what happened was with James Settles, how I found James Settles, uh, Fred Bailey, Lynn Stewart, Dale Caldwell. Um, I really got sick of asking the church to get involved mm-hmm. outside the walls. You know, it's like they did good there, but it's just like, man, I'm, why am I begging you to do this? And the Lord just kind of put on, told me, I feel like he said, hey, quit begging people to do what you need, you know, what mm-hmm. you need to do. And he told me kind of well, find the strong men. What right. does that look like? You find the guys that's already doing it. If you find the people that are already doing it, you ain't got to beg them. Because, right. like, I'm gonna do it regardless. Right. You know, hey, if we if we want to build together, we can. But if you don't, you know what? You cool. Know, keep doing your work. I'm gonna keep doing my work. <laughs> yeah, right. So I began to look for these strong guys, and even that's with James Settles and his transitional facility, uh, Ephesus House. Uh, if you went to Ephesus House, I work with them. Mm-hmm. I also work with my friend's house, which is a boys' home, eight boys in state custody. Uh, you know, where I work with guys. I work in juvenile court. I also mm-hmm. work with ALC in Williamson County. Um, but. Um, when I went to the church and I was talking to the men's group and we and I was just like, and the pastor came to me, he said, you know what? He said, I know you really got a heart for this. He said, but my guys, I don't think they're going to, they pretty much just said they're not going, we're not going, they're not going to do it. Right. But let me introduce you to James Settles. Mm. He's actually a guy, he has three, trans, uh, three, three transitional facilities, served time, found his purpose, and now he helps men get their lives. So that's how I met James. Right. James introduced me to Fred. Okay. Fred was the blind, as you know, Fred, I right. think you had shared his story, a, a blind African-American man that wanted uh, black kids to do right. better. So he started a school, then he started his own community, right. turned a crack house into a community center. Right. Uh, so we just yoked up. Daryl Caldwell and Lynn, they've been mm-hmm. working with, uh, right down the road with in juvenile court and all this. You need to get in touch with these guys right so consequently we came together so now we have what we call community transform transformation teams to where we can deal with any demographic and go in and deal with right you know any demographic of men and boys and really right. rebuild community right. so through maps which is the book uh, which came from the language of life map language therapy now we're doing camps, we're doing uh, conferences and, and lining up a few things to where we can go in and actually want to start our mentoring program as well. But this is how we go in because we feel that if we get the man in the community, you mm-hmm. know, if we get him, right. oh, now we got the wife, we right. got the kids, you know, because I'm along the lines, if you can, a man, is nothing more, I would say, attractive, not from a, you know, looking standpoint, but right. just... Uh, but there's nothing more attractive than a man who knows who he is and is in right. place in his, in who, in no. His core, yeah, he knows his who core. he is. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, so no question, he knows right. who he is. And I'm convinced that when you have that, you know, you kind of look at even now, we got a lot of things going on. But I'm like, if you have that, uh, let's just say even like, let's just say my wife. Mm-hmm. If I'm really sick and Lord and I'm in my place, she shouldn't want anything outside of this package right here. Right. I'm all the man that, you know, if I'm in right. my place, I'm all the man that a woman really could, should be able to handle. Right. But consequently, because we have not taken our places as men, as men in a lot of society, I ain't talking about black or white or right. whatever. I'm just saying because we don't know who we are, right. we try to fit different images, all these things. Consequently, now our women are looking for other options. Right. You know, yeah. so now... 
you can't tell me what's my mind can't fathom. How do you have a man who's in his place, but then she you know what? She broke up with you, and now she got a girlfriend. Right. What does it say about you know something? Right. You you know what I'm saying? So I feel that if we're in our place, a lot of things shouldn't happen. Right. You know. So we feel that if we start with the men in community, build from there, teach them their place, get them in the, to their core, and kind of find out hey who you are and what your mm -hmm. position is. Now, if you have a strong man, now he goes home, you got a strong family. Right. Now you've got a strong family that can join a church or a community movement right. or whatever. Now you're right. bringing a strong family into this. Now right. you got strong families. Now you got you end up changing the whole neighborhood. Now yeah. the neighborhood changed. Now the right. communities changed. No, now I, the community, you know, so I, I totally it grows agree. from one man at a time. But I, No, I totally agree, and I, I, and I say this all the time that, um, you know, um, Specifically, especially for black folks, mm -hmm. um, is the reason why the man was taken out the household. Yes, um, there's still a reason today why for public some about many public housing, the women can't get to public housing if she has a man in there, yeah. right? So, like we see the writing on the wall, but I say the way to build community is you got to start first with the family. Yes, you know, and then and we got to get that right. We got to get so, that right, uh, which is crucial. Um, and so I got, I got, I got. Two two pillar things I want to throw at you. I'm gonna throw the first one at you, right now, because it's about families, it's about people. Mm -hmm. um, the LBGTQ plus community. Yes, sir. Working in churches. Yeah. Um, how have you been able to navigate that? Because we have seen in this culture that you have some um, religious entities. They say, okay, hey, that's fine. Everybody's welcome. Right. And then you have some that use the actual biblical text and say, hey, no, that's a sin. Right. Therefore, you're not welcome here. Um, what are your What is your stance on that? And what is your stance as far as just working with 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 the gay community in church and building community at the same time? Right. Um, my stance is with LGBTQ plus is what it is now. Yeah, man, yeah. it's plus. They have this. There's, there's a lot of. Um, Letters being added, but I yeah, think now yeah. just the LBGTQ plus is the, the most common. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So with that, like I said, for me personally, I don't have a problem with okay. them <clears throat> as a whole. Okay. You know, now I had to grow to that. You yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. You know, coming up and just being a guy and, you know, manly man, you call yourself or whatever. I had to grow to that. But mm -hmm. as I have developed my relationship with the Lord, I realized that, you know, that they people. Right. You know, I think that for me personally, that it's really boiled down to... Cause I got my stuff too. You know, right. we all do. Nobody's perfect. You know, right. so we really, one of the things that we have done a poor job, and I would say definitely even the African American church is, um, and I and I, I think maybe church as a whole. You know, right. it's just really yeah. how to receive this community. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think that we, and that's another thing that we have to do. We have to really learn how to, to me, uh, on a harmony, the thing that we're talking about, I've learned to where, People are people, so I don't do you know the black, white, gay, right. old, the, yeah. all the people are people. You people are people, you right. know. And I've had to grow to that realization to where the truth of the matter is, we have uh, to. You, they have gifts. They have things that they bring to the table as well. Right. Because you really look at even that community and how they're growing and expanding and you know and really flourishing. The truth of the matter is, what I my convictions have come down to. 
I really can't control another person. Me controlling myself is a handful every right. day. You can, ask, you can ask my wife that, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, but me really trying to control myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, as you come into Christ, I think, and, and I encourage people to always come into Christ because that's what helped me. But I think that I have what I call the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit deals with me on stuff that I need to fix. Right. You know, so consequently, even as these individuals, whether it be we're dealing with racism or with LGBT or whatever we're dealing with, I think that, that as they become closer to whatever that, you know, I would say the Holy Spirit, but whatever their inner voice or that mm -hmm. good thing inside of them. Right. That's for them to deal with, you right. know. So I, you know, so I've come because that's really the indictment to why people don't want to. This whole generation doesn't want to fool with us, is because we haven't known how to handle them. Right. So I think that, for me, I think that our you want to see you want to see healing, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, if you go to the Bible, it talks about if my people Christians. I say this all the time. I say Christians, we're the biggest problems it is out there to what's going on. But we're also the answers, right. the answer to the problem. Okay. So it says, if my people, Christians who are called by my name, will seek my face, you know, humble themselves, seek their face, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. Mm. Our land is sick, mm. you know. But even in that verse of scripture in, in Second um, Chronicles, it kind of talks about if you would humble yourselves. I think, really think that we as a society in a lot of different areas, we owe this generation an apology. Mm. You know, we need to say, you know, I think it's a lot of areas, whether it be uh, politicians, how we handle political views, right. how we've handled each other as people. You know, um, the police department, we got some bad eggs, some, some bad actors there, you know, to kind of mm -hmm. say, hey man, will you, man, I'm, we didn't handle this thing right. The, the white community, they need to say, hey man, you know what? Man, we didn't, you know, man, we did some things, some awful things. You know, right. we got a history here. Even right. in our community, right. saying, um, I'm sorry to our church, these young black boys, as we see crime and different things going on, mm -hmm. uh, uh, black men that have made it out and have been successful and doing better, mm -hmm. we need, hey, man, I'm sorry, bro. You know, right. I know you was ra wasn't raised without a father. Right. You know, and, uh, or whatever, because we're the most fatherless generation that we ever had. Mm. And I'll say this, and it just dawned on me, my, I had my dad my life my whole life, day one. Great right. father, great. So that really gave me my foundation. Yeah, me too, really me not, too. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And, I, and, you yeah. can, and you can see it with guys right. that had yeah. their father in their right. life. So it has a confidence. There's right. an affirmation that you just going to have that your boys, right. you see it all the time. Mm -hmm. But one of the things when I got saved and I came into the church, and I remember like being a young man trying to get older people to kind of take me in, I remember going to the leadership of the church and just saying, man, I never felt like a bastard till I got till I came into the church because they didn't know how to handle me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a street dude. I'm, you know, I got, right. I'm, I'm rough right. as a corn cob, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, and lie, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. Um, do you think that they provoked them to kind of say, well, man, let me take this young, this young boy got something. Right. Let me, no, it didn't. So what happened, and I just realized over the past few years, is I went through all of the things, abandonment issues mm. that a young man gets without a father, but I did it in the spirit. Mm. And what that looked like is, man, I'm in church. These dudes, I don't know about the one take me under they. I'm telling you, I got like 40 boys. I'm 27 right. years old. I got 40 boys. Right. And, I'm, and I'm like, man, I need, I need some men to come down here and teach us how to. Right. I really don't know what I'm doing myself. Right. 
You so, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So when, during my figuring out, the 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 men in the church, the deacons, the elders, the all these preachers didn't want to come help me. So what I do, I do like they did. I got resentful. Mm. Let me forget them then. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm gonna raise myself. Right. You know, I'm gonna start doing what I need to do, and right. that's really how I start doing stuff. But I didn't know that it had built a bitterness in me, because mm. I'm like. Don't nobody want to write the same right. rejection issues mm -hmm. that I get that you get. Yeah. You took, I it, took it personal. I took it personal. So I'm like, forget y'all, man. You know, yeah. I'm gonna find somebody who wanna right. do this. And that's really how I started. Right. But I've had to go back and deal with that forgiveness because mm -hmm. that root of bitterness, right. why our young black men or me and young boys are angry because mm -hmm. daddy wasn't there. I had to do the same thing because I'm right. like, if I don't do if I don't fix this, man, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be forget the church. Right. But the church, I still feel like man, we could really do this right. if we get ourselves together. But, right. you know, so um, it's key that we that right. we father this generation. Right. And sometimes fathering looks like, man, I messed up. Daddy messed up. Right. Man, you know, me and mom. Admit you know, me. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah, had to admit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a starting point. Yeah. Because if you don't say I'm sorry, get out of my face. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Just, yeah, just uh, yeah, just admit that you you was wrong. You, you was wrong. Down. And it's a lot of admittance that America mm -hmm. needs to do. A lot Man. of people that these politicians, you know, a lot. There's a lot of, and then, you know, when you apologize to us as a people, right? Then we can say, okay, well, let's let's we're try. To, we're moving in the right direction. We're moving in a good direction. But don't nobody want to say I'm sorry. I, what's fascinating to me too, is where you do your work. Mm. So. Um, you know, I was born and raised in the city of Nashville. Right. Right. Um, like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yourself, Nashville native. Um, so you don't really hear about what's going on, like, in Franklin, Tennessee and, you know, Williamson County, those things. Because, one, you know, you already think, like, ah, them people got money out there. You know, they don't even, they ain't going through the same issues we have. This right. Like, it's different, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's different. Totally. And so, and so um, what kind of inspires you to kind of, and I, and, I, and I understand the importance, too, of your work being out there, but I want you to walk us through it right. of um, what inspired you to, like, kind of censor your work in that Franklin, Tennessee, Williamson County area okay. versus doing it where you see the majority of people doing this type of work, especially for, for boys, black men, black right. boys in the inner city. Right. Um, funny story. Um, I'd always been doing the work, but mm -hmm. I always volunteered. I'd find a church to volunteer or a group of men. Um, you know, and with it, I remember it's about eight years ago, uh, a guy, one of the soldiers, Jimmy Hanley, came by and he uh, actually had started working with Inner City in Franklin. And he came to me, Inner City U. So he came to me, I was working in Nordstrom. So I had always volunteered doing it, but I never got, nobody ever paid me to do it. This right. is just my passion. Right. Jimmy said, man, I've been looking for you for two years. I'm like, really? He just like, man, he said, uh, he said, man, I work with this little organization in Franklin. We work with inner city youth. And I'm like, inner city youth in Franklin? I'm like, dude, hey, you know, I'm, right. you know, in other words, get out of here, right. man. Inner city. Yeah, yeah. inner city, you know. So, um, so he said, man, just come look at it. Mm -hmm. So I went and looked, and I became the program director for that particular uh, nonprofit. Wow. Uh, called Franktown Open Hearts. And they were... They fed the kids uh, five times a week. They got them Christmas gifts. Uh, they helped families. They ended mm -hmm. up even when kids graduate, they were getting them cars. And I was just like, these folks doing it, you know. Right. And they actually were partnered um, with a church called uh, Fourth Avenue Church of Christ, one of the largest churches. Um, church of Christ is 
Church of Christ Churches. Yeah, Church of Christ Churches. Yeah, in that area. So all white, you know. And at the time, Patrick Mead was the pastor, and he saw how I was helping the kids in the community and doing different things, Jimmy and myself. And he said, will you come over here and help us? Because we don't... We, we, we need some help with racial reconciliation. And, and it was actually after the couple of um, African-American men that killed two policemen in Dallas. And they mm. were just like, I can't believe they shot two police officers. Right. I can't do. And I was like, well, you didn't say nothing when they were shooting them black boys. Right. And they were like, I can't believe you said that. Well, <laughs> right. Yes, I did. Right. So that's where the they, they would be like, well, Lamont, I just don't understand. I said, well, we can talk about it. So from there, we had families kind of saying, hey, will you come over here and, and, and help us, you know, right. talk through the deep dish conversations right. over dinner, so my wife and I. So that's where it began. But really, uh, from there, I went to the YMCA. They opened up a, uh, a position, opened up YMCA, uh, YMCA Community Action Project, okay. YCAP. And they said, man, we saw what you did over here with this church and this nonprofit. Can you come over here and, and help us? So then I went to the YMCA. And when I did get to Franklin, I did see that those same after the African-American communities had the same problems that we had, you know. Mm. It was like the African-American community in Franklin was really poor, right. just grew up in Franklin, second, third generation right. poverty, um, and they just had the systemic concerns mm. that and was stuck. Right. They didn't know how to get out, because now they're in this world, right. everybody's flourishing but them, so this is a whole poor community. Wow. When I worked with the work with the YMCA, and I work with Juvenile Court ALC. Now, this is all white. I right. started working with ALC, and I was going to the ALC, and I'm like, this all white kids in here. Right. And I saw that the same issues that the black kids had was a lot of the white kids had. Right. Now, they didn't have the money problems, but daddy was out making moves, doing such right. stuff. And even as you've seen some of these racist tendencies that we've seen in Williamson County on the news, man, you can imagine these kids are off the chain. Right. Just because they got money, man, right. they didn't see mama act the fool. She's, she's, she's right. a racist. Right. You know, systemic racism has gone, you know, they, they a, a, a lifestyle that they've. So I realized that a lot of these white kids, now the thing is, the black kids, they were behavior, but the white kids, they were drugs because mm -hmm. they had access to the money to get the pills, the zins. And you go right. and you talking about talking to kids, some of them, you know, fifth, sixth grade, you know, been in rehab. You know, mm. yeah, I mean, it was just like, story, you know, just stories that right. you like, how'd you get, man, you ain't number 12 years old. Right. But they got that access. Right. So that access and that privilege and not being told no, right. man, they off the chain. Right. So consequently, I was like, both parties need to, um, need some help, support. Right. So I didn't know that I was being groomed to do all this work, and then we hooked up with um, the ALC. Right. Uh, and then, I mean, I'm sorry, my friend's house, which is a, a boy's home in Franklin, and started working with those guys, still work with them today. Um, and it just really, um, I blossomed there. But when I look back, I kind of look at the point of the Lord. I think he really financed me to go to school and mm -hmm. learn how to do all this stuff. Right. And when I got finished, I was just like, a lot of these white folks really don't have to know how to help our young black boys. Right. You know, we I could do better. Right. Not that they're not doing a great work, but I'm like, some stuff, right. you know, right. you need, Big Mama told us, you know what right. I'm saying? And our right. community taught us that you need black people to teach you a lot of this stuff. And because uh, it's lived experience. Yeah. Yeah, lived experience, yeah. culture. Yeah. So a lot of stuff. I appreciate know, your help. Yeah, you know. But you know you, what? Yeah, exactly. No, it just, they just, they just, they just the way it, it just. That's real. It's just real life. Yeah. You know, it's just real. Like, it's hard for 
I, we talked about it earlier. It's hard for, you know, if I ain't never done prison time, you know, it's hard for me to tell you, one, how to do prison time, or two, how to assimilate back to society once you get out if Absolutely. I haven't done it. You know what I'm saying? I might can help you. I might know some things, but it might be way more impactful if somebody who served then kind of rehabilitated, came changed, came from that same thing, and they can y'all can have different type of conversations. You know, it's just the truth. And that's why I love Settles and the work at Ephesus House because mm-hmm. if you really think about it, think about you already know. Think about people in our community are starting their lives over or have right. a record or have the deck stick against them. Right. They do a great job of taking a man from ground floor zero. Man, right. I've been locked up 25 years. They gave me a bag and I woke out and I got a, everything's changed. Right. They take that man from there and they get him back into society. That's and, amazing. And nobody does it better. That's amazing. You, 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 you can't never have too much of that. No. You can't have too much of that. No. And so now it's really, I'm glad. I'm One, one. I, I want to come out there and see some of that work in Franklin. Please do, man. Um, because, again, and like. Ephesus House is in Madison. Ephesus House is in Madison. Yes, sir. Because I, cause I, I, one, I just, I'm an explorer. I like to see different mm-hmm. things in, in different communities and how they may look different, how they may look the same. But also just understanding, like, you know, like there's need to be work, too, in these suburban areas, too. Absolutely. With, uh, with youth, black youth. And they, and they, and they might, you know, it might not be in the city things, but they still have issues, and they still have they they still have to face the same social constructs as all black people, or all youth, or all black boys and men have to go through, um, and it might just look a little different. And yes. I think it'd be just it'd just be education for anybody that got the opportunity just to go out there and look and see what that looks like, and see what that works look like too. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. So that that was really fascinating. I'm like, man, he doing this work out in Franklin? Man, what is man? They got these. You know, what I'm saying? everybody got some issues. But it's like right, you know, right. but you are because you all the work is always focused on the inner city a lot of times. But I think it's important to have folks like yourself doing it in other areas um, to fill that void there too. Because they, you know, there's kids, there's youth everywhere, and there's youth that getting some things they right. shouldn't even get into. So right. uh, I'm glad you're doing that work, and I'm glad uh, that you're out there filling that void. Because if it wasn't you, maybe maybe it won't be maybe it wouldn't be getting done. Yeah, but let me put this out there too. I'm desirous of coming to Nashville, you know, to bring mm-hmm. it to Nashville. You know, so the mm-hmm. thing is. The platforms weren't available here, you know. I know a lot of people, you know, we talk about uh, how they'll throw money at a problem, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of say, well, you know, we're, we're going to do this. I'm like, man, if we brought if we brought our team to Nashville, mm-hmm. it should give us the money. You know, we right. just haven't had the opportunity. So right. my stuff was really volunteer. Right. So they paid me to go to Franklin, and right. we did that, and we just saw the transformation of the different entities that we were working with. Mm-hmm. And now it's like... Louisville, they like you know. I have a, a contact in Louisville, oh, and, wow. and, and they're just like, man, can you come up here? So wow. we're actually going to start our work there. But I want to come to Nashville, you know. Right. So like, hey, hey, whether it be uh, the mayor, whether it be right. uh, Governor Lee or whatever, right. we put t- things in place uh, to where. Because my thing is, find the people that are doing it. And you don't have to worry about it, right? You know, but anybody, you know, can get on racial reconciliation when the when the house is on fire. Right. Anybody can talk about what's going on with the boys in our community when you ain't got, you know, when, right. when everything's burnt down. How right. do you put it back together? My thing is, if we had had some of these foundational things in place with the uh, the harmony, the right. racial reconciliation components, the teams that we put together, mm-hmm. if we had actually got on our communities earlier, now we wouldn't be right. in a situation we're in. Always doing the work. The house is burnt down now. Always doing. You know what and, I'm saying? And, I, you know? and I'm for that. Do, doing the work. All it's you gotta. It's every day, right? It's yes. like flossing, right? You don't floss once a month or once a year and say I'm gonna avoid cavities. No, you have to floss 
every single day and night in order to prevent you know the likeliness of you getting cavities and you know your teeth just falling yes, out and yes. i think that's what it is that's how i view like community work like you just you can't do it when like you said the house is on fire when 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 shit is just going going down yes like you gotta do it when things look like it's great that's it because you know like hey this Summer's, summer's always around the corner. Another just, black man going to get killed. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to be something. To it's going to be something. Yeah, yeah. And so we need to already be ready so we don't have to get ready. Yeah. And so um, I, I, I want to I end off with, you got your book. I want to I talk oh, more wow. about your okay. book. Absolutely. And I want to talk more about, uh, like, what you, what's next. Okay. You know, so we can start, you got your book here, you know, The Language of Life. Tell us a little bit about that. Ah, the language of life. Um, LOL. LOL, man. I laugh, you know. LOL. I like, I got to enjoy a good laugh, a good joke. You know, I got a a sense of humor. Uh, And with the LOL, I laugh all the time. Really, it's like laughing because I really wrote a book. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because, you know, that's a joke within itself, you know. And it's funny, too, Gerard. You know, now you meet people, they be like, you know, just being candid, be like, you know, from the hood. Let's just just go deep deep. Right. This nigga wrote a book. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, in other words, they because they cut, you know, they don't right. say it, but they right. be like, right. this dude right. did. He wrote a book. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's, and it's funny, and I, you know, and I'm just like, it's all good. But um, it actually was supposed to be started out supposed to be a curriculum. You know, mm. I wanted to write a curriculum for young men because I had been doing this work with mentoring and, right. and read all types of curriculums for young men and boys, and I was just like, man, I, I want to write something where it deals with a. Um, a little bit more on the social emotional learning side, something mm. more practical for that people can absorb. Right. And um, so, in two years ago, when uh, in March, when uh, the pandemic hit 2020, uh, I ended up getting laid off from the furlough, furlough for a few months from the YMCA. So, um, at that particular time, it was like nobody knew what was going on, the right. uncertainty. And my wife was just like, uh, she said, she said, you at home? She said, you know, you always said you wanted to do it, and you couldn't do it because the job was in the way, or this mm-hmm. was. She said, you ain't got nowhere to be, you know what I'm saying? You're still getting paid. Right. She said, why don't you, you know, she took these pieces of paper. She said, why don't you do what you said you was going to do? Wow. You know, so. Accountability. You are, but, you know, the ego is like, you know, the man like, man, she, right. she, she, she think I'm just talking, you know, right. in other words. So right. it's kind of like, you know how it is. Sometimes right. you need a little extra encouragement. Right, you know. Exactly. But I'm like, she think I'm playing, you know. Right. Man, it's so funny, man. You, you know, it's amazing what uh, you know what a woman can uh, inspire you to do. Hey, for um, sure, the right to, one. Yeah, the <laughs> right one, because you know Will Smith got inspired too. But not just, but, nah, but you know, what I'm saying, but you can be inspired, you know. Right. What I'm saying? So, I, man, I wrote the whole thing in, in one night, man. I wrote the um, the map, right. the map component. So the map component is really, um, when I talk about the language of life, the language of life just kind of talks about life and give you a language, mm-hmm. you know, and as you get into different things, I think you kind of touched on it, uh, which you said it perfectly. We kind of talked about the LGBTQ plus and mm-hmm. there's some more letters coming. Right. When we were growing up, it was just lesbian and gay. Right. You know, but what happened as life goes on and you see different things, there are different words that are created right. due to circumstances of life. Right. Um, being uh, from a biblical perspective, of, you know, so I have it to where I can actually teach this concept, whether it be from a church, you know, so secular perspective or a Christian perspective. Right. But from a Christian perspective, with Adam and Eve, you know the story, whatever. Um, when Eve, when Adam ate of the apple that Eve mm-hmm. gave him, and he ate, he said, "I hid and I was naked because I was ashamed." 
God said, well, who told you you was naked? Mm. And he was like, so that goes to the point of nakedness had not even been, they hadn't even gone over the class of nakedness in that capacity when he told God, man, I hear because I was naked. God like, oh, who told you that? I didn't teach you that. Right. So that means that life, something, you know, right. the circumstance of, of exposure mm. really created a new word. Mm. So this here we talk about as life, we, when you draw your map, map language therapy is a, a process, a tool where we sit down and we draw a, lab, a, a actual map of your journey. And it kind of talks about the different communities that you spend time in. For me, um, in my book, I talk about Shame Street. Okay. You know, I spent a lot of time on Shame Street from some from dumb decisions that I made. Right. You know, but then you got Anger Alley, you got right. Confusion Court, you got Healing Highway, right. um, you have Rebellion Ridge. You know, but even as you're going through life, you got Iso Islands. That's when mm -hmm. you just isolated away from everybody, and right. you don't want to be. You know, so. Um, once you actually begin to develop this language and we talk about the things and we go back to, you know, this book allowed me to go back through my experiences and put a language to it. What mm -hmm. it allowed me to do um, is really take the sting out of my journey. Mm -hmm. You know, it went from, you know, this, these painful things that happened to where you realize all this stuff didn't happen to you, it happened for you. Mm -hmm. You know, without these things, without right. going through anger alley, without resentment. We kind of right. talked about resentment from a spiritual perspective. Right. You know, man, ain't nobody going to take a brother in. Right. You know, the bitterness, the bitterness problem, right. you know. So you're giving people, you know, some, some navigation skills. Yes, absolutely. As a map, you got to learn how to navigate. Yeah, yeah. Where can Where can people grab the book? Where can, how can people get the uh, book? Amazon, um, anywhere. It's on okay. all your, on your, your platforms, Amazon, okay. Barnes & Nobles. Okay. Um, LOL, um, lollamontlester.com. You okay. can actually order from there. So it's on every, okay. on all the platforms as well. Um, how can people reach out to you if they want to? If they want to work, they want to get you to speak. They want to learn more about you know um, your model programs. How can people? How can people get out to you? I would just say email me. I'm okay. actually you can find me on Facebook. Okay, you know it's where you can uh, DM me on, on Facebook. That's uh, Lamont Lester. Lamont Lester. Okay, uh, or I'm on Instagram as well. Okay, um, so that will probably be the best way to just reach out as okay. well. Uh, and then um, email address lamontlusteroutlook.com. Okay. You know, but with it, um, yeah, we'd love to to come out and share. You know, but and I'll say this: uh, even with we talk about the bitterness block, um, that's a block where you know on my map that I spent some time. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of our people, African American community, are on the bitterness block. Mm. You know, we just live there. You got we got six, seven hundred thousand dollar homes. Right. You know, on the block, and this is where we live because of things that have been done. Mm -hmm. And the language of life, my whole job is to allow people, you know, to come in to help people unpack. Right. And really allow them and unlock them to be able to go on a journey and find better right. communities and neighborhoods to, to live in. Mr. Lamont Lester, I appreciate your time. And I didn't tell you this before, I'm going to tell you now. You know, Lamont is my middle name. Okay. And so, you know. That's my we, son's middle name. Yeah, too. so we got we to, gotta, it's, it's my, it's my, it's. It's my middle name, my my son's middle name, my daddy's middle name. I love and my, it. My, my, and my both my brothers' middle name. He named all of us Lamont. I middle like name that. Lamont. So, That's a good thing. Yeah, hey. so we connected. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, we're going to piss pump. Yeah. We just tried to do that. Y'all didn't see that on yeah, camera. Yeah, didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate your time. Yes, sir. And uh, we got to have you back because I want to unpack a lot of more stuff that you said in your own personal story, too. Mm. And, and really, you know, see what uh, what Shame Street look like. What does that, what does that mean Ooh, for you? you and so we're going to get deeper next time so yeah. get ready yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> this was just the introduction y'all okay. this is right. the introduction okay. yeah. uh, so yeah. i appreciate your time thank you and uh 
this I appreciate the work that you're doing because you don't have to do it and so thank you um for that work that you're doing and just not the black american community but all communities mm-hmm. in middle tennessee so thank you give your flowers right now you, uh while you're still here and just keep doing the work thank you sir i mean i appreciate you having me man it's a blessing i'm honored to be here man and uh you know my contacts and we want to keep it going for sure thank you all sir. right till next right. time all right appreciate it